Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Welcome to Affected by Altitude. We are doing a special edition this week. My name is Sam Bradfield. I'm the managing editor of Purple Row, and I am joined by Joelle Milholm, who is one of our writers. Welcome to the show, Joelle. Yeah, so we're doing this special episode because I'm sure, as a lot of you have heard more recently, there have been a lot of women breaking barriers and breaking the glass ceiling and in Major League Baseball. I'm sure, you know, we've got Emily Glass and like Jenny Kavnar in the Rockies system. You've heard of Kim Ang in the Marlins system and, you know, Rachel Balkovic. But, you know, there's so many more than just those four women who have been really breaking into Major League Baseball and carving their own path. So, Joelle, how did you like get into baseball and who were some of the women who inspired you? Yeah, totally. Um, so I guess I started probably like many human beings on the planet in playing like t-ball <laughs> um, and have those really funny old pictures that look like baseball cards of <laughs> like oh, being nice. a t-ball player. Um, but then I, I loved it. And so it was like my favorite sport. I started playing baseball. Um, I actually grew up in Littleton in Colorado. So I played for uh, the Warriors and I played for really long time I was a second baseman and I just I loved it I love every part of the game um from you know batting and trying to get it down I actually loved fielding more than batting which was kind of a funny (laughs) tweak um but like even just chilling in the dugout and eating sunflower seeds like I was like this is the coolest sport (laughs) that you can do all these things um and I came from a really big like baseball family my mom and dad are both really big fans but like my mom is a huge fan and her mom was a really big fan. And so that was kind of, we've always had a kind of a strong history of women loving baseball. Um, and when I was little, we watched 
basically the Braves and the Cubs because we didn't have the Rockies yet. Um, but then the Rockies came, their first season happened when I was 10. So I got really into them. Um, and it was around the same time, you know, I, th I think that that the silver bullets came into play um oh, oh, cool. and they were an amazing all women's baseball team made up of mostly softball players <laughs> um who were coached by phil necro the like hall of famer and sponsored by course and they came and i i remember going to a game at mile high and seeing an all women's team go out and play against men and it was the coolest thing and it blew my mind because i just never knew that could happen um and they they lost they didn't do great um but it was they were there and they played and they they only lasted four years because i think the the funding kind of ran out um but that was the one where i was like I, baseball is awesome it's where my heart is but it's also not just for men that's really cool yeah so i'm kind of weird in the sense that i never really played organized baseball or any like organized sports. I mean, I played like rec league basketball and volleyball when I was a kid, but <clears throat> my family's not really a sports family. My, my grandfather, my late grandfather was really, really into it. And so I was born in Phoenix and I lived in Phoenix and he was always really excited. He was a, a White Sox fan. And so they would come down every spring training and we'd go to games. And my mom loves telling me this, this story of my first real baseball game. I was like three years old was canceled on account of bees and that happens like every year in spring training, you know, you'll get the like mob of bees in the dugout that they have to clear the stadium and like spray it. And it's a whole thing. Um, he unfortunately died when I was about five and a half. So I didn't really have that. Like I didn't grow up, you know, learning how to score from him and doing all this like stuff that he taught the other grandkids. Um, but, you know, so I kind of took a hiatus, but then, you know, rock Rocktober 2007 was where I really, you know, like like a lot of us, I think of this kind of younger millennial generation really got back into baseball with that magical run in 2007 um, and then, you know, moved again down to Arizona. And there was a lot, you know, spending time with the D-backs and the Rockies and watching women like Jenny Kavnar and Jody Jackson, who's um, the sideline reporter for uh, Bali Sports Arizona, um, just doing really cool things and watching them on TV and going, hey, they're meeting all of these baseball players and they're talking to them and, you know, just really realizing that women can be like sportscasters and they can be taken seriously as sportscasters um, was a really cool kind of turning point for me being, you know, not really it, knowing the ins and outs. It took me a little bit of teaching myself the ins and outs of baseball, um, but at least seeing the, the women's storytellers. And I always love, you know, telling people's stories. And so watching them do such a great job was really inspiring to me. Yeah, but, totally. So, so, yeah. But as I mentioned earlier, um, there's been a lot of, you know, women in the, in the Rocky system who have started, you know, breaking that glass ceiling. Um, specifically, most recently, they hired Emily Glass, who is the Rockies' first female female scout. Um, she was hired by Sterling Monfort with his recent promotion. And uh, Joelle, you tell me a little bit about what you know about Emily Glass. Yeah. So luckily, I think one of one of the really good, more in depth writers for the Rockies is Jack Jack Aiken, and he used to write for Forbes, and now he's writing for the Rockies magazine. 
and his uh he did an in-depth feature on her um in the magazine if you go to the top of it i think it says it's a 17 minute read so it's uh it's got everything you'd want to know it's pretty awesome um but she's she i was just really impressed with her resume like she's spent a lot of time all over the world like a lot of time in the dominican republic and puerto rico scouting players i think she got her crack in through um the diversity program um and it's just it, she seems to be really impressive in a lot of ways like being a sponge just like soaking up all this knowledge getting it in really interesting and diverse places all over the the world um and i one of the quotes that stuck out to me was from um danny montgomery who's the vice president and assistant general manager of scouting for the rockies and he said when he looked at her scouting reports that it looked like they'd been compiled by like a 20-year scouting vet um, and it was like her first ones so um she seems like she's just crushing it brings really good energy um has the really important feature of speaking spanish um, which i feel like is almost like a, a must uh, now and so i just yeah i'm excited to see what she's going to bring and who she's going to find and kind of a, a new perspective to bring to the the scouting ops yeah the, i loved that you know in that article you mentioned that um she started this department she came from the marlin system and that when she was with the marlins she hired teachers to help teach the the latino players who were especially in the lower minors how to speak english and just like having those professionals come in and seeing the importance of that and the other crazy thing like you said it was almost like she had been doing this for 20 years but she's only 28 yeah. <laughs> which, which is, is wild. wild that is wild yeah that's really and, exciting and then you know she's got that connection to clint hurdle um where like she grew up in california but then she was down in uh the, the caribbean working with some scouts over the winter and couldn't get home in 2020 because of covid and um and clint hurdle was like i've got a house in florida so my you know why don't you just come hang out with us yeah yeah i thought that was really cool um and that she even got hired before the rockies bought, brought hurdle back uh, which is cool too um, but yeah, I think, I don't know. And I know, um, I think it was in the last episode of Affected by Altitude, you guys kind of talked about the hurdle coming back. Um, but I think, you know, his relationship with a lot of people and her, she seems like she has a lot of relationships with people already. Um, and it just seems like the more connections and the more experience and, and kind of different ways you can seeing it, see things um, when you're scouting is, is huge. So yeah, she, she's 28 and brings the experience of, of a 60 year old, it seems like. And so next up, we have uh, Brittany Habe, who is the manager of baseball research for the Rockies, according to Thomas Harding's article on the front office revamp from January 26th. It says here, uh, Habe worked with the Rockies for the past four seasons through the MLB Diversity Fellowship Program. Um, last season, after all of the departures, Habe carried much of the duty at home and on the road from consulting with coaches for defensive positioning to researching special assignments for pitching coaches. Her duties will involve advanced scouting. She will work with longtime staff members Chris Warren, a traveling advanced scout, and Joe Little and Brian Jones, who will share video coordinator and advanced scout duties. Statistical analysts will also report to Habe, and she will report, or sorry, she will provide information to manager Bud Black and the coaches. And then um, there, Zach Rosenthal, who's the uh, assistant GM, says of Habe, advanced scouting is a passion of mine and we will work extremely well together. She will make a big difference. 
Anything else on Brittany Haby you want to add? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's just, it's really exciting to see women in different roles and kind of in different places across the organization. I think that's going to have a good impact. Yeah, and then we've also got uh, Juliana Rubin, who is a baseball ops fellow. She's a former soccer standout at Baldwin Wallace University. Uh, She earned a law degree from the University of Miami, and it was risen to the vice president of business and legal affairs at Steinberg Sports, which is an agency run by famed agent Lee Steinberg. She was a 2022 graduate of the MLB Diversity Fellowship Program. And then Rosenthal says of Ruben, she loves baseball. I got a call from her before she started law school because somebody had recommended that she talk to me about her interests. I've talked to her on and off over the last four years, and I'm just really excited about her potential. She'll be working specifically with roster, contract, and salary arbitration issues, which I think is really cool. But yeah, I mean, if you look at the the front office, especially these new hires, they hired, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people. And uh, three of them are women. So a third of the new like Rockies front office revamp, especially in the analytics and R&D department, is women. And that's that's really cool. That's really cool because, yeah, there hasn't been much at all. So now to have three is is fantastic. Yeah. And then, of course, Jenny Kavnar um, is, you know, everybody knows and everybody loves Jenny, I hope. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Jenny, of course, has, you know, been with the Rockies for a while and she became the first woman to call play by play in a number of years and nearly a quarter century um, all the way back in 2018 when she called, um, what game was it? Shoot. She called the, uh, <laughs> fire, fire up the fountain. Yeah, right. I don't remember uh, who they played, but I, obviously I know. that call will, will live forever. <laughs> of fire up the fountains. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, um, but she of course then won Colorado sportscaster of the year for 2021 and became the first woman to do so which I think, you know, just Jenny keeps climbing and climbing. And, you know, it's just amazing all of the things that she's been able to do over, you know, her 14 years, I think, with uh, in Major League Baseball. It's just incredible. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, I feel like we're super lucky to have Jenny um, be, like, part of our home broadcast crew. Um, especially, it's I think it's even cooler. She's from Colorado. Um, I went to Colorado State when she was at Colorado State, and I worked for the newspaper, and she worked for the TV crew, and they were always way cooler um, than us. But you could even tell then, like, she was so good, and she was, you could tell, she was, like, going to be a big deal. Um, and I'm just, she could have probably gone in a lot of places, and I'm psyched that, that we get to hear her calls. Oh, 100%. And actually, it was uh, it was against the Padres. <laughs> it says right at the top of the article um, <laughs> from April 2018. So, yeah. And then a couple of new faces in the Rockies kind of media side of things. We, of course, have Danielle Allentuck, who comes to us from the East Coast. She's the new Rockies beat writer for the, for the Gazette, the Colorado Springs and Denver Gazette. Um, you know, recent graduate, again, came all the way from, from the East Coast and did some phenomenal work this year. I had the the pleasure of sitting next to Danielle all year in the press box, and she did a really great feature on Herman Marquez. She did a lot of good features on Herman Marquez, actually. Um, and just overall, you know, for a first year on the beat, just really, 
nailed it. I never would have guessed that she was on her first year. Like, she's better than me. (laughs) (laughs) She's super good. And her Twitter is fantastic, too. I feel like she gets news out so fast. Um, And, yeah, she's a delight to have. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Jillian Gabe, who became the first official scorer in Rockies history on June 1st of uh, 2021. And, you know, I, I like I love Jillian. I've talked to her a few times and it's really cool because she's she's an elementary school teacher. And of course, I in a former life was an elementary school band teacher. So just that, you know, I kind of resonated with that if she's a, you know, elementary school teacher with a cool side gig of working for the Rockies and scoring games and stuff like that. And of course, yeah, she is believed to be the fourth female official scorer in MLB history. The first one being Elisa Green Williams somewhere in the 1800s. And then Susan Fornoff from San Francisco in Oakland in the early 90s. And then uh, Marie Claude Pelland served in the role for the Blue Jays in uh, the mid 2010s. So that's kind of, you know, our our Rockies, Rockies crew. So on the other side of the break, we'll take uh, we'll talk about more MLB people. So stick around. All right, and we're back, and we're going to talk about, you know, the Rockies are obviously one team out of 30, so let's talk about the rest of MLB. So, of course, we have, you know, Kim Eng, who is the Marlins GM. She took over a few years ago, and that was, like, she's the first female GM to work in Major League Baseball and, of course, the first South Asian to work as a GM in Major League Baseball, and that's just Phenomenal. We also have Alyssa Nacken in the Giants system, who's a Giants assistant coach, and she was the first full-time female coach in big league history for the Giants, broke in 2020 as the first base coach in an exhibition game, which was really cool. Um, And then more recently, we have Rachel Balkovic with the Yankees and also um, Genevieve Beacom, the 17-year-old Australian left-handed pitcher um, who was the first female to pitch in an Australian professional baseball game. So, Joelle, when I read you these names, what are some of your initial thoughts? Well, (laughs) it's kind of funny because there's so many different levels. Um, You know, first just being ecstatic that this is happening, that we've got women in the the most important, you know, parts uh, of an organization. And then there was this little part of me that was the Rockies part that was like, why does it have to be the Giants and the Yankees? Like, why, why is it the teams that I'm, you know, supposed to hate and now I kind of like them a little bit? And so I had that kind of clashing. Um, but one of the cool things um, for Balkovic, I got to see her, like, when we had the All-Star break um, in Denver, luckily we got that <laughs> dropped into our laps in 2021. Um, and they had that play ball kind of event at the convention center. And I went um, one day and happened to be able to attend like a women in baseball panel and she was on it um and I just remember yeah just being like incredibly impressed by her she I forgot to look up how tall she is but uh, she's significantly shorter than me and I'm like five seven um but like she looked like just a powerhouse like I I played rugby in college and I looked at her and I was like I think you would kick my butt like she just has this (laughs) presence about her um and she kind of talked about a lot of things and I just came away incredibly impressed kind of like oh my gosh she's she's gonna do something like it's gonna be really cool um and she talked about 
just all these different influences that that women have you know like obviously she loves the game she's incredibly smart she has a lot of good experience i think she has two master's degrees in human movement sciences <laughs> um and she started with the cardinals as like a strength and conditioning coach um which i think she said was challenging to try to like get men to follow her commands in terms of like you know strength and conditioning which would normally be a more masculine trait um but i think it gave her some really good experience and then she talked about like i, I think one of the per one of the questions to her was you know do the guys respect you do they listen to to what you're saying um or do they just blow you off because you're a woman and she was like i know how to hit like i have really good information and i think she's super into analytics and she was like so if a guy is struggling hitting and i can talk to him and we can figure it out and we can work on it and then he gets better at hitting the fact that I'm a woman doesn't matter. Like he's gonna get better at hitting. That's what he wants. That's what I want. That's what we all want. Um, and so she kind of has this. I, th I think it's it's a tough spot to be in. You have all this pressure of being the trailblazer, so you have to try to you know like not mess up <laughs> um, and be a role model for kids. But you also have to do your job really really well and probably you know put up with with some flack and some trash every once in a while. And she just seems tough. Um, and super knowledgeable and like that her love for baseball I think will take out anything else so I when I heard the announcement I was just like oh my gosh I, I, I she's perfect she's perfect for it what about yeah, you cool. who stands out in, in the list for you yeah I mean I think it's, so Rachel Balkovic actually stands at five feet nine inches uh, it sounds like so so she's you know significantly taller than me um, I'm only about five six but um yeah I think yeah definitely Rachel Balkovic was one that's that stuck out to me because um you know she's a manager I mean it's almost like you know Becky Hammond back when she joined the Spurs it was like oh my gosh um like there's a woman as as a coach like literally and not that like uh, you know Alyssa as the Giants assistant coach like not to not to diminish that at all because that's still a huge thing um but just looking at that and going like she's in charge and that's, that's really cool. And, um, and that just really sets the, I think hopefully sets the bar for future, you know, female representation among the coaching, whether that's minor league baseball, major league baseball, or any of the other like major league sports, I think would be really cool. And then of course, Kim Ang, I did a, a round table podcast right after she was hired in uh, March of 2020 with uh, some of the ladies over at DNVR and just looking at that, I think I said it back then and going, she's a, a general manager. Like that's a huge deal. She's in like in charge of making the deals and dealing with the players and the coaches and like making decisions. They have trusted her to basically run their organization. And I think that's huge. That's, it's just amazing. Um, seeing all that and then of, of course um Genevieve Beacom I know she you know she became the first professional pitcher uh in Australia a couple of weeks ago and she mentioned in one of her interviews that she's looking to come to the states uh her brother pitches at one of the universities in Washington I think I don't remember if it's UW or not but um so she wants to come stateside so keep keep your eyes and ears open for her um and then, of course, we have on the broadcast side over the last few years, there's been, um, well, first off, we had the first all-female broadcast um, 
earlier this year in July with the team of Melanie Newman from the Orioles, Alana Rizzo, formerly of the Dodgers. She now works for MLB Network, I believe. Um, and then others, uh, MLB Network crew of Sarah Langs, Heidi Watney, and Lauren Gardner. And like against the O's and the Rays. And I was so bummed that I didn't get to watch this game. <laughs> I was so bummed. I needed to go back and watch it. And I meant to. And I just, um, just the hype and the buildup, like that's, that was wicked cool. Um, and of course, you know, so Melanie Newman specifically was like Jenny Kavnar became the first woman to call an Orioles game last March, 2020. Um, and then before that, she and Susie Cool were the first all-female broadcast team in the minor leagues with the Boston Red Sox Class A Advanced Salem Red Sox in 2019, um, which I remember seeing that one and was like, whoa, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, not just because Susie's there and she's cool, but <laughs> like just the whole the whole thing was cool. Yeah. And Melanie's done a great job. I've seen articles. I follow her on like Instagram and there was an article earlier this year, like some little girl, I don't remember how she was like under 10, held up a sign and said like my only goal of being at this game, I I want to meet Melanie Newman. And it was this and she stood like under the press box or under the broadcast booth and held it up. Um and there was a picture that circulated around and then Melanie found her after the game and like signed it and took pictures and it was really cool. Um so I, I really like Melanie a lot. Um, and it's and cool. Course, like, I uh, think there's, you know, if you've been watching sports um, any kind, like there's been, you know, some women every once in a while, you might be watching like a basketball game and you'll hear them. And like, I used to just freak out and like turn it up really loud and get really excited. And like, I would love for us. And I think we're like slowly getting there where I don't have to freak out every time because it's happening more and more, yeah. more commonly. And I, I feel like even when like Jessica Mendoza started, she, mm-hmm. she got a lot of trash. She had a lot of people who were like, she has no business calling a baseball game. Um, mm-hmm. And she would just get some gnarly comments. And she talked about dealing with those. And when there's only one, I think you can like focus that attention and it get that a lot of more of that negativity. But when it spreads out and they're all across, you know, the league in different cities and different levels, and they're just doing their jobs and they're doing a really good job. It becomes a lot harder, you know, for, for haters to hate. So it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's definitely one of those, you know, yes, I was first, but I'm not going to be the last. Yes. Exactly. And that's definitely the case. I mean, you're saying you're seeing even more broadcasters in like the NBA. Um, I think it's, was it the 76ers have a new uh, woman broadcaster? And I think so do the Bucks. Um, and so there's, I mean, we've always been kind of, I feel like relegated to sideline reporters, um, you know, think of like Aaron Andrews and some of the others, but like now we're, we're breaking into the TV booths and the, the radio booths and, you know, having our bylines written on, you know, in the newspaper and actually being taken seriously, I think, I hope (laughs) (laughs) more than, more than in the past. (laughs) Yes, Um, Definitely. Yeah, I, I even remember when I first started here at Purple Row. So, I mean, my name is Sam, and full name is Samantha. And I remember initially putting my byline as Sam Bradfield. And I got so much flack from a lot of, like, my female friends and coworkers mostly who were like, why are you going – and even my mother who were like, why are you going by Sam? You don't need to go by Sam. Like, um, don't try to pretend you're a guy or for credibility. Like, I had some people who were mad because they thought I was – 
you know, posing as a man to gain credibility. And I was like, no, I literally just go by Sam. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just, that's literally what it is. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of people who were really upset. And finally, after like three weeks of like getting crap from people, I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to go by Samantha. Um, and there was even one comment that was like, who is this guy? And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, I'll do it. Oh, that's right, interesting. Fine. Yeah. So I, I go by that. Samantha. Um, on Purple Row now, but it's not because I wanted to be a guy. It's just literally because I go by Sam. But I mean, even like, uh, you know, Rachel Balkovic did that. I think she, on her resume for a while, she wrote Ray and people like didn't think about it. And that's an unfortunate reality, but you know, yeah, it right. paid it's, off, I guess. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get in the door and then at least yeah. let your work have a chance. And if you always get blocked before you can even try, um, yeah, I'm sure that's what a lot of people have had to do over the years to hopefully pave the way so that people don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, for sure. But so I, I thought it was interesting. You said you were doing some some more research for this and you were looking up all of the some of the other teams. How are they looking in terms of female representation? Yeah, so it was pretty cool. I think I found I, I think it was an MLB.com article um, and it just t- kind of talked about this. I, they didn't say it as a trend. They were just kind of like, yeah, the the increase in women in baseball. Um, and it kind of went down the list and it had different players. And so I kind of just started to be like, wow, there's, there's more than I realized. Um, I'm just going to Google front office Cardinals, front office Cubs, like and look again and again and again and just scan down everything from the front office to um, R&D to the actual coaching staff. And it's hard to find a team that doesn't have multiple women um, and scattered throughout different departments. Um, so we were going to make a list and then we realized this is going to be a really boring podcast which where we just read out 200 <laughs> names straight because um, yeah. there's so many women now in different roles um, that we can't keep track of them all, which I feel like is, is the dream. <laughs> we've we've yeah. gotten to a better spot for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have this this quote from... ESPN says, um, in 2016, 106 women worked in baseball operations roles with nine in on-field positions and 12 in director positions or above, according to Major League Baseball. In 2020, the number of women in baseball ops roles increased to 225 with 17 in directors roles or above. Um, And then so from 2016 to 2020, the number of jobs in baseball ops increased from 4,442 to 4,951 with 23.8% of new jobs going to women. And that's just, that's huge. It's hugely important. Yeah. And so it's also good to note, like you, you pointed out, like the third of the new staff for the Rockies. Um, and it's good to see that's not just like an anomaly that, that it's happening across the board. Yeah. I mean, it, you still kind of look at it and you're like, oh, this is cool. And hopefully, like, hopefully just across the board, you know, whether with, you know, whether it's race or gender or, you know, sexual orientation or whatever, like across the board where it's not going to be an anomaly to not be a white cis man working in baseball anymore. Um, you know, you don't have to say first female to do whatever or, you know, first black player to do or first black person to do whatever. Um, you know, eventually it's just going to be this is how it is. And yeah. That's how it goes. Right, exactly, which is it's just amazing. Um, and I think that same ESPN story that had that was kind of tracking the hires, they talked about this um, racial and gender report um, from the University of Central Florida. 
And in 2020, they gave MLB an F um, for, for doing it, that on their, on their side. But by 2021, it was up to a C. Um, so even though, I, and I feel like that's perfect. So they're failing, they're not doing a good job. And now they're at least passing, right? Like it's not the end just because every, every team has a couple of women on it. They're diversifying their staffs. It doesn't mean it's the place to stop. Um, you know, it's, it's a passing grade, but it's still not the, the A or the B that you would shoot for. Um, but it is it is just a sign of measurable progress, which is which is really cool. Right. I mean, if, if you know, if we're looking at it from a grading scale going from, a, you know, maybe an F in 2020 and then like to an A in 2021, like that's going to average out to a C. And like you said, you're passing and it's it's progress and we might never get to an A. I mean, it's challenging to get that high, but like going from an F to a C is is huge. And that's definitely marked progress, and hopefully we can keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think so. Oh, so yeah, so like the, I think one of the big things that that does is instead of having your one token woman on every staff, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is that it's even though it's probably not our favorite word to use, like the normalization effect, where like mm-hmm. it just becomes normal. It's not a, a headline breaking news story on ESPN anymore, um, and it I think obviously that does huge things for young women and kids and they get to see that example and they can you know once you can see it then you can be it and they can kind of head that direction but I think equally important is it gives you know it's inspiring for little girls but it's just as important for little boys and everybody in our society to to see that and have it normalized so that all of a sudden if you get signed by the Yankees and you're psyched and then you get to your your first team and you have a woman manager you're not like what the heck why like this isn't okay Uh, she's not going to teach me anything it's already normalized and you're like cool i'm living my dream she's going to make me better it's going to get me where i need to go um and it just becomes yeah something that we don't bat an eye at um and that's that's a, a super important part i think too yeah, and who knows? You know, the next step is to to get us on the field, right? Who, who's going to be the first uh, Jenny Baker from the Hulu show Pitch to to play in Major League Baseball? Right, that is that huge. Be- that is the that will be the day when I genuinely freak out. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, maybe it'll be Genevieve Beacom. That would yeah, that'd be cool, right? She's that'd seventeen. Really cool. Um, yeah. So it's possible, and like. When I think about these things, I feel like this is a cool time, right? 2021, we're seeing these cool things. Um, but the groundwork's been laid. Like as, when I was at that play ball park um, at the convention center, one of the other women on that panel um, was Illa Borders. And she was the first female to play for an NCAA men's team. Um, and she did that mm. in 97. Like that's, that's a really long time ago. She was ba- broke that barrier. Um, a while ago and then played I think she had a three-year career she was a left-handed reliever um, for for different teams on independent leagues so she was playing pro ball Um, there was you know she's not the first one because there was professional women in the Negro Leagues Um, but like she broke that barrier then um, and there's no reason why we've seen like women play for uh, college teams as kickers um, in in football, but I, there's like no reason why if if a if a girl can play well enough, um, whether it's pitcher or whatever the position, like it it would be really cool to start seeing some crack into the NCAA, crack into the minor leagues. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we got 
a huge future ahead of us. But, you know, like you said, if you can dream it, you can be it. And I hope that we start seeing more young girls as they grow up becoming broadcasters, becoming coaches, becoming players. And like, it's just so important to have that representation just across the board to have, you know, just a, an equal, an equal society and an equal footing. And, you know, we're not going to be, it's not going to be an anomaly anymore, like you said. So it's, you know, yeah, for sure. So any kind of final closing thoughts? I guess the final closing would just be, yeah, it's just going to be fun to watch and see. Um, and I also think that with the component of, and this, this is why I feel like the diversity and inclusion program exists is because if you can bring in people from other cultures, I think we're going to see more people coming in from Southeast Asia and Latin America. Um, and they just have different ways of seeing the game and understanding it. Um, the way that different cultures th communicate, the way that men and women communicate is different. And it, the more you get those different perspectives and viewpoints and styles at a table, like, baseball will be better. It will be, um, it'll, it'll rise the game. Um, and that could be from an analytics standpoint to the product on the field to maybe, you know, like increasing fans um, because 50% of the world is women. Um, and, you know, if, 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 we, if baseball can grow its game in a time, especially where we're at right now, where I feel like we have this lockout, we're not sure about the season starting, there's all sorts of demands for your time and, and people are worried about, you know, the future of baseball and, and having enough fans to, to keep it going. Um, this is a great way to, to energize fan bases, bring more people in, and also just, yeah, make the game better. Definitely. All righty. Well, thanks, Joelle, for joining me today. This was a really super fun conversation. But before I let you go, where can, where can our listeners find you on Twitter? Um, I'm really creative, and I, my, my Twitter handle is my exact name. So it's just at Joelle Milham. Um, and then, yeah, every uh, Friday I have articles up on Purple Row. Sounds good. We've been, yep, we've enjoyed having you. And yeah, you can always find me at Sammy B underscore 27. You can find Affected by Altitude at Altitude Effect or follow us, of course, on Purple Row at Purple Row on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. So yeah, well, thanks again. And this was super fun. And we'll do it. We'll have to do it again sometime. Sounds good. Thanks, Sam. All right. All right have, have a good, a good one, one Joel. Joel.